Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast, sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. I am Brooke Small. And I am Jesse Steffes. In this podcast, we dive into the heart of life's questions. This is not a substitute for mental health therapy. However, our goal is to make healing accessible for as many as possible. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about vulnerability, what it is, what it isn't, and how we begin to create safe and healthy vulnerable relationships. This week's letter reads, Dear Heart of Life, what does a nerd or a type A do about being vulnerable? I hate vulnerability, but everyone tells me that I have to be vulnerable. I'm not a sharer, but it feels like I'm othered for wanting to keep things to myself. How can I have healthy relationships that also feel comfortable for me? Mm, it's a good question, and there's so much to unpack here. Yeah, I love this question. Yeah, so maybe let's start with just defining what vulnerability is in relationship. Yeah. I think this is another one of those things. You and I have talked about pop culture yeah. taking away what an actual definition is of something and creating something completely different and yeah. new. <clears throat> and so let's talk about what vulnerability is and then we can start to pull this apart and really look at what we have to do versus what we need to do or should do if we want intimacy yeah and you know I'll admit when I think about vulnerability a lot of what comes to my mind is what it's not Mm -hmm. or the things it gets mixed up with like over emotionality um or exposure Mm -hmm. um or private you know, knowings that I'm sharing and exposing myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think vulnerability has a lot more to do with being seen, allowing ourselves to be seen. Mm -hmm. Um, How about for you? Yeah. So I think for me, very similarly, I I can think of all the things that it's not. When I think about being, being vulnerable in my safest relationships, it's a place where I can explore how I'm feeling about something. I don't have to already know. I don't have to have created language around Mm -hmm. how to describe what something has a story is to me or an experience has been to me. But it feels like a safe enough place where I can expose the not knowing Mm -hmm. and really start to dissect that and have someone there that can reflect back to me what they're hearing or saying, but not, uh, it's, it doesn't feel like just a deluge of, of all of my inner stuff. Yeah, that's making me consider this as vulnerability as an experience more so than a um, than content. Mm-hmm. Like vulnerability has to do with the process of sharing or the process of getting um, having you know someone bear witness to our experience more so than this idea of like there's a storage unit in your heart that you're asked to open the door and all of the stuff in there is all the vulnerable stuff Mm, that anybody can have access to. If you're really vulnerable, if you're really vulnerable, you let, you don't even have a door on it. Right. right? Um, and I think that that really shifts the, the ideas around this letter writer's question, um, and feeling forced into Mm -hmm. vulnerability or Mm -hmm. pushed into vulnerability. So what's coming to mind 
and um, you're going to have to let me be vulnerable and work this all <laughs> out here. <laughs> but what's coming to mind is I have a, a dog, Milo. I really yeah. love Milo. And Milo is incredibly vulnerable, vulnerable around me, right? He lays on his back and exposes his soft belly to me mm. because he knows and trusts that I'm going to rub his belly and I'm going to talk sweet to him mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> but I had to earn that. I didn't yeah. get that right away. And so when we're talking about vulnerability in relationships as well, if we just expose ourselves like that without mm-hmm. having that trust that it will be received in a way that's loving and kind and generous, then it never feels good. Right. And the idea that my dog or your dog would just would just do that for anyone anywhere is really actually threatening and unsafe for them. Yeah. So when we think about this letter and that word that I have to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. I can hear in that the sense of that does not feel safe to me at yeah. all. I love this. I love the idea of thinking about how animals show us this and particularly dogs. Jeffrey's a rescue and his he's been hurt previously. And so when we first got him, the idea of asking him to trust us, even though we knew we were trustworthy, was unsafe. Mm-hmm. And in this letter writer, I, I hear too that sometimes vulnerability feels hard because we did it before and it really hurt. Mm-hmm. And the same thing we talked about in our, our podcast episode about forgiveness is it's a function of humanity and trying to stay alive emotionally and physically to not do things that hurt really badly last time we did it. Mm-hmm. That can be loving and having that blow up, or that can be sharing something and having it used against you. And so depending on how you know this person is writing about the aspect of vulnerability or what they believe the idea of vulnerability is, this can feel like a really scary endeavor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that, that brings us to the, the endeavor then. What, what are we trying to achieve when we're vulnerable? What are we seeking? What are we growing and cultivating? So, so what is the function of this, yeah. right? If we don't know the function, if we just think we're supposed to do this and have to <laughs> do this, then there are no guardrails around that to protect us and to keep us safe. Right. And so when we think about vulnerability, we also have to think about boundaries at the same mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. Because we can't, we can't just be exposed to everyone in the world. No matter how healthy our relationships, there are different levels of vulnerability that can show up in those spaces. Yeah. So when we're talking about boundaries, I often like to talk about them <laughs> like a zoo, mm-hmm. right? So if I went to our local zoo, there are certain animals that are just allowed to roam freely, right? Peacocks just get to hang out because they just do their thing and they don't really bother anybody unless somebody really bothers them. <laughs> but they just get to be there. The chipmunks get to run around. Nobody's trying to keep them contained because they aren't harmful. Right. But there are different levels of boundaries, right? There have to be these boundaries in in the monkey cages because even though they're really cool and fun to see and be around, if you get too close, they're going to pull your hair and throw crap at you, throw crap at you right? <laughs> and so there has to be this boundary yeah. that's created there. And, and then the further out you get, right? The tigers are really cool to look at, but they're very dangerous. And so there are yeah. these layers of boundary that are created between you and seeing that tiger. 
So when we're thinking about vulnerability, we have to also think about the boundaries that are around that. Who are the people that we know are safe enough to be in that space Mm -hmm. without any boundary or without very much boundary? Who are the people that might be fun to be around, but if we share, they might use mm-hmm. that against us. Or if we if we share, they might not validate that or understand it in a way that makes us feel pretty icky. Right. And then who are the people who are going to really hurt us with the information that we might give them? Yeah. Or the way that we might expose ourselves. So as we go through this conversation, I want everyone to keep in mind, like, what are those boundaries for you and how do you hold them? Or are they so porous that in vulnerability, you've found yourself being really hurt over and over yeah. again? Which which may mean that you've got peacocks caged and tigers roaming free, right? right? right. And, you know, this brings up the idea then of what is the point of vulnerability? Like, mm-hmm. and I And I think in all of those cases... Our desire behind vulnerability is usually connection and mm-hmm. belonging and an increased intimacy. Mm-hmm. I can imagine for this letter writer, whoever is in his life are asking, you know, them to be vulnerable. It's probably because they're wanting closeness mm-hmm. and that difficulty in holding both of those. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would add something that maybe we don't think about very often though which is when we set a boundary with somebody in that tiger space that's actually really vulnerable Mm. so it's not just sharing our deepest heart desires or our deepest pain sometimes it's being brave enough to say you actually don't get access to this yeah and that itself is vulnerability yeah right there there are lots of different ways to be vulnerable in the world I want to come back to the beginning of this letter and that idea of like, what does a nerd or type A do about vulnerability? I want to pull that apart a little bit because one, I'm curious about how the way this person sees themselves in the world has created barriers to Mm -hmm. vulnerability. Like if there's only one way to be vulnerable and I'm this kind of way, then I can't do it or I don't have access to that. Um, And also... Um, I think there's this idea that if you're if you're one of those things, a nerd or type A, then this is hard for everybody, and and that's just not true, right? Right. It's, it really is more dependent, less on your way of being in the world, and more of your experience of the world. Yes. Well, and how the world responds to you, right? Right. We learn that about ourselves too, and you know, I think we're both therapists. Last time I checked. I think so. (laughs) So, And I think vulnerability is something that we work in a lot. We we sit with people who find this place to be contained enough and safe enough and structured enough for vulnerability. And I think we're pretty good at that in relationship too. Mm -hmm. And we are soft people, you Mm -hmm. know, where we have that kind of mode running through the world. And so, but, but you and I are both partnered with individuals who are not like that. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I had to redefine what vulnerability from my significant other felt like mm-hmm. because his vulnerability is not crying in my arms like mine is for him. Mm-hmm. But it is the notion of pouring my cup of coffee first mm-hmm. or calling. He called yesterday to ask if I wanted him to stop and get ice cream for us because he thought I probably wanted a treat. And I had the ice cream in the passenger seat that I just picked up because I knew we needed a treat. And so I think vulnerability in 
in the type A or the nerd personality, it's really important that your vulnerability doesn't have to look the same right. as maybe what our vulnerability would look like. Well, and truth be told, your vulnerability doesn't look the same as mine, Yeah. right? The, yeah. It just doesn't. From person to person, the way we are vulnerable in the world is unique to us and unique to our own experience in the world, yeah. especially if we have been hurt when we have exposed those more tender parts of us. Mm-hmm. Even even with all the tools or all the information or the best definition of it, there are still going to be times and places where we're much more guarded than other people who haven't had that experience. Right. Right. Which is a, is a real luxury to have when we've been able to show pretty safe vulnerability throughout our lives. And, and so I'm thinking about you know, we've kind of covered how this person identifies in the world and how that may be impacting their ideas around vulnerability. I think it's also, it could be very tempting for someone in this situation to force themselves into vulnerability versus engaging in vulnerability authentically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm thinking, you know, I've been in situations before where the culture of an environment was set up that everyone shares. And these were in situations that had really very little regard for anybody's kind of capacity for that or the relationships or the environment or the boundaries that they had created around their own sharing, right? The hierarchy, the implications, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if we talk, if we could talk just a little bit too, about how to tell the difference between forced vulnerability or types of vulnerability that aren't super authentic, um, and how that might impact this. Yeah. So, so let's first talk about forced vulnerability because that's in this letter. You know, people tell me that I have to do this. Right. I have to be this. And I think that goes back to that idea that there's this binary, like either you're vulnerable or you're not, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not that it's this spectrum and, and that healthy vulnerability is actually in the middle where there are parts of us that are guarded. There are mm-hmm. parts of us that are private. And then mm-hmm. there are parts of us that we can share and show in the world depending on who we're interacting with but what happens in forced vulnerability is that that line gets blurred and our exposure is actually taken out of our control and so it feels very unsafe and almost to a level of being voyeuristic like i'm putting this out here but i i don't know what you will do or how you will receive the information yeah you know like is this is this naked enough for you Mm mm-hmm that forced vulnerability, I think, too, can start to contaminate our own relationship with vulnerability within ourselves and start to, I don't know, maybe get in the way of our ability to say, is this something private or is this something vulnerable? Is this a secret? And all of those kind of get convoluted because the forced part of this is you share, you share, you share. Mm-hmm. And it really... Um, disrupts our ability to regulate what should stay in and what should go out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we have enough of those situations or we're modeled that, mm-hmm. because often what we see on social media looks like this raw vulnerability, right? And and it, it almost in, entices us or brings us into a space of feeling like if we want to be vulnerable in the world, we must do it this way. So it's still, again, a sense of this forced way of being vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? But when that happens, one, 
it feels like it's been taken out of our control. Yeah. Two, we begin to distrust our own ability to decide what the boundaries are there. But th- the, the third part of that is that we, we end up in a space where we will often overshare. Yeah. Um, and we, because we, we've been taught or we've taught ourselves to distrust that natural alarm system that comes up and says, hey, I think that person might be a tiger or that person's a monkey, <laughs> right? <laughs> they are not a peacock. Yeah. We're, we've, we've been shoved into this world where everybody's supposed to be peacocks. And so what we end up doing mm. is finding ourselves oversharing to the point of feeling so exposed and not more connected, not no. more intimate in those relationships, but but wounded. Yeah, yeah. You know, this idea, too, of this being really personal is I think that vulnerability has shades. I think mm-hmm. that certain people are more comfortable with being vulnerable more often than not. And I think we have kind of an internal barometer about stuff like this. Because as you brought up social media, I can think of some of the people that I've followed before, you know, influencers that share this really vulnerable thing. And I'm kind of repelled by that because it feels, mm, I don't want to use the word theatrical, but it feels like that. And I think there's a big difference in that than using platforms to share our stories Mm -hmm. and to reach other people who maybe have similar experiences. But I think we can feel on kind of a sensory level when vulnerability is um, genuine. Mm -hmm. And when it's, is this enough for you? Or will this make you like me? Mm -hmm. And those are all, um, I think, maybe misdirected efforts around vulnerability. Yeah. And then, like you said, it doesn't result in in connection. Right. And belonging. When I was in the early stages of my... Um, of my divorce, I, I didn't have very good boundaries at all. Um, and I didn't have a huge network of support and connection, but I lived in this pretty small town. Mm -hmm. And as word got out that something was going on, I had people reaching out and wanting to be my friends on Facebook. I'm sure they were hoping I was posting something on their way, exposing, oversharing, maybe vulnerable in quotations, (laughs) right? And I had lots of people reaching out and wanting to take me to lunch. Mm. Um, and that, wanting, having someone want to take me to lunch, wanting to, to see me and connect with me, that felt good. Yeah. I, I needed that. I wanted to know that I was held and, and that there were people watching out for me. But time after time, my experience within that is that I would go, they would ask me questions. I felt because I was at lunch with them, I was obligated to give them my story. And then once the story was given, there was just this kind of like, bleh, right? yeah. that did not feel good. And I, and, and it, it, it felt like this really, really awful one night stand. <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like. Oh, that is the most accurate. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so accurate. It felt so terrible. And and I I began to realize after several of those experiences of feeling so icky mm-hmm. that and used. Yes. Icky and used 
and exposed that I had to really protect my story. We don't owe people our story. People have to earn access to our story Mm -hmm. and our vulnerability, right? Vulnerability and boundaries go together. Vulnerability and trust go together. Yeah. On this, you know, as you were sharing, I kept thinking to myself, how are practical ways that we actually boundary our story or protect our vulnerability and I work a lot with clients who say you know especially in grief maybe which is a very vulnerable experience well someone asked you know how I'm doing or how I've been since the breakup or the divorce and I felt like I owed it to them because they were showing me care Mm -hmm. so I owed them you know my story my pain my vulnerability and you know this and in some cases they were coming to kind of read the headline of the article not to actually walk them through mm-hmm. the pain mm-hmm. and so practically speaking i've worked with clients before of being able to say that's just too raw right now what else can we talk about mm-hmm. or that's very tender for me how about we talk about this mm-hmm. that in and of itself is very vulnerable to say this is something that can't enter this space right now mm-hmm. Or I want to be able to talk about that with you sometime. It's not today. Well, because go back to the beginning and the beginning of our definition of vulnerability, which is to be seen and heard and understood. Yep. And in stating a boundary and saying no, we are saying, see me, hear me, and understand me in this space. Right. It's actually not very vulnerable. <laughs> it it's a weird kind of vulnerable if it is vulnerable for us to violate our own boundaries and push past what we feel in order for someone else to get what they need in that situation. Well, and there's, you know, we joke about the idea of a one night stand and that being such a perfect metaphor for this. But if we really did put the template of sex on this, Mm -hmm. this is the difference between like quick encounters versus Um, loving intimacy and maybe a safe understanding of what the commitment around this is or what the agreement around this is Um, the ability to be seen with the lights on versus sometimes that's not going to be okay for us and vulnerability I think transcends emotional space as well we're vulnerable with our bodies we're vulnerable with our stories Um, so I'm just coming to this metaphor of you know if 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 sex felt forced, we would never hopefully be like, well, I got to do it. Someone's asking. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability similarly is not, I got to do it. Someone's asking. It's what am I comfortable with and how do I communicate it? Yeah. And, and vulnerability is an emotional exposure, right? Yeah. And, and I love that idea (laughs) and, and applying consent to that Mm -hmm. enthusiastic consent, right? Just as we would to sex just as we would to physical intimacy, enthusiastic consent, meaning I am in agreement that this is something that I want to do and I'm excited to do it, or I'm yeah. looking forward to this, really want this, versus you've been pushing and pushing and pushing for this, and so finally, whatever, I'm going to do it because we should just get it over with, or I, you yeah. deserve it, or I owe it to you, or any of those things which make that feel like such an unhealthy space for both yeah the same is true in in emotional exposure and vulnerability there needs to be an enthusiastic consent and that needs to come through relationship building Mm -hmm. through trust through boundaries through the things that keep us those guardrails that we put up yeah 
you know, this makes me think too about how helpful it might be for individuals navigating this similarly to our letter writer of, have you done kind of a self-reflection of what kinds of, you know, parts of self or what parts of your story exist in different layers? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is that core part of your story or what exists in your vulnerability at the core that only a few people may ever have access to mm-hmm. versus what are the things that can promote connection on a very social basis out on the end of, you know, how do we talk to baristas at Starbucks and be friendly? Um, right. Those are very different types of exposure right. than the middle. Right, exactly. The other thing that I'm that's coming to mind is thinking back to those experiences I had right after, you know, when I was going through my divorce and how I didn't have good boundaries and I kept finding myself in these situations that left me feeling really uncomfortable and pretty empty mm-hmm. versus the vulnerability I have now. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because I've learned to have really good boundaries and I know what those are and and I know who I can trust with what information in my life, right? There are different levels of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is that I've done my work to understand uh, the areas that are harder for me to reach. Yeah, I've done my work to understand my own pain points so that when those come up, I can talk about those and express those without feeling like I need to avoid mm-hmm. and stay away from them. Um, and in doing, and in doing our work, therapy is a great place to do that. But we also can do that through journaling and through talking to close friends and really our own inner work. In doing that, that allows us to come into a new level of vulnerability with mm. safe people, yeah. because we're not hiding from ourselves. Yes. As long as we're hiding from ourselves, um, our ability to be vulnerable with safe people in intimate spaces is going to be limited. Mm. Which doesn't that make sense that we would need to get comfortable in ourselves before we let anybody else see it too? Mm-hmm. Which again goes back to bodies, but that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other podcast. But the yeah, I'm I'm thinking too is as we're exploring this, this letter writer says, I'm not really a sharer. Mm -hmm. And I'd argue that vulnerability isn't actually about sharing much at all. Mm -hmm. And I think we can engage in vulnerability by listening to someone else's vulnerability, Mm -hmm. um, bearing witness to that, or saying, I don't know exactly how to respond, but I want to feel closeness with you. Um, You know, this type A or nerd persona that comes, I think doesn't have to necessarily mean that we don't mm, have emotional language but it means we can say I'm sensing distance here and I think vulnerability would help but I'm not sure what type of vulnerability or how to do that that's vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah to say when we don't know okay. yeah I I want to add to before we get to our takeaways of this podcast I, I want to add in as well that you know in in previous podcasts we've talked about the difference between being uncomfortable and not safe. Yeah. Right? And a lot of times when we have had experiences with other people where vulnerability has has hurt or yep. has been wounding, our, our bodies and our brains remember. And when we find ourselves in similar situations, we are going to be very protective. And, and all the alarm bells are going to go off that says, this isn't safe, this isn't safe, this isn't safe. 
what we need to do in that case is to be able to really get curious is this not safe or is it just uncomfortable mm. is this person a safe person that i can share these things with and be in this space with but i'm just being reminded of the past it's yeah. familiar but not the same yeah how can i lean in because the other you know the yeah. other part of this is true is we have to practice vulnerability mm-hmm. we have to have boundaries we have to have trust and when we find those safe people in our life, we we do have to practice vulnerability yeah. and we have to go into spaces that don't necessarily feel comfortable right away. Well, and, and exactly a thousand percent and vulnerability feels really good when it's held safely. There, I don't know if there's a better feeling in the world than, you know, kind of coughing that thing up that you haven't been able to really share or are so worried is going to result in disconnection. And having someone say, I'm so glad that you're talking to me about this, or I love you all the same after saying that, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's comfort on a spiritual level mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, to be seen. Yeah. To be vulnerable. Yeah. And, and to be accepted in that space. Yeah. But that requires bravery. Yep. Right? It requires Most a good things do. <laughs> yeah. So, Jesse, what are your takeaways from today's podcast? Um, my takeaway is the idea of my takeaway is the idea around boundary vulnerability that non-consensual vulnerability is not vulnerability um, so let's get clean on those definitions that's that's I think one of my takeaways mm-hmm. um, the other is I want this letter writer to know that the very desire to figure vulnerability out is vulnerable mm-hmm yeah what about you my takeaways i just had a thought to go with one of yours and i i want to walk that through (laughs) for a second (laughs) but that idea of non-consensual vulnerability going two ways yeah we have probably all Mm. been on the receiving end of somebody's um flood of information that we weren't prepared or ready for and yeah. so remembering that that consent has to go both ways. And even when we want to share something, being able to ask if it's an okay and appropriate mm-hmm. time for us to do that. Yeah. So that. And then the other one is uh, that trust is uh, needs to be shown and practiced before we share our stories. Mm. And that just because someone's asking for it or someone's doing something nice for you does not mean that you have to give them their your story. You don't yeah. owe anyone your story. And and as you decide what those boundaries are that are protective of you and your story, you will feel more and more comfortable with the people that are inside of mm. it to be able to open up and share. Yeah, I love that. We, we wish you very many peacocks in your zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we also wish for you to have the courage to keep the tigers where the tigers belong. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We'll see you next time. If you are interested in submitting a question or letter to the Heart of Life podcast, you can do so at our website, riverbendcolorado.com, and click on the podcast tab. We would love for you to give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. 
By doing so, you help us make the Heart of Life podcast easier to find and more accessible for everyone. We will see you next week as we walk each other home. 